All right. Good evening, everybody. How are you feeling? <laughs> Good. Awesome. So uh, if you guys remember, a couple weeks ago we had a cereal, and I asked the pressing question, is cereal soup? Um, I've made up my mind. It's not. No, it's not. It's not soup. It needs to be hot. Um, all right. Well, my name is Mike, and uh, I'm the pastor here at Genesis, and, uh, and here we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that you came through the door tonight uh, with an open heart, and uh, I also hope, uh, hope that you know that you've been prayed and prepared for. And so we're glad you guys are here. Uh, tonight uh, is actually the last night of the Mission Hope fundraiser. Uh, we've been doing this all month, just cutting some costs and encouraging you guys to do the same, to, to uh to give to this fundraiser. We, we sponsored two villages in Nicaragua, and so tonight's the last night to do that. Uh, and also, just as a reminder, any merch that you buy goes straight to that as well. And next week, we get to announce the total, and uh, it's gonna be awesome. And so, uh, just like I said, tonight's the last chance for you to give to that, uh, to this specific fundraiser. So, I wanna ask you guys tonight to get this started. Whether you are still in school or not, we've all had an experience doing a group project, correct? What is like the overall feel for group projects. Do you guys like group projects? <laughs> no. Yeah. Would you guys agree that uh, group projects can be extremely stressful? Yes. Okay. So, uh, you, you know, you have to organize a time to get together. You have to, to delegate responsibility. You have to deal with ideas that you may not like. You have to deal with, let's just say, unmotivated people, maybe. Uh, when I was in college, I had a, a group project it was pretty early on in, in college, like freshman or sophomore year, and there was a, uh, it was me and this guy and this girl, and we scheduled to meet at, this is going to age me a little bit here uh, for some of you, we scheduled to meet at Atlanta Bread Company, uh, which, on University Boulevard, which is now Firehouse and Starbucks, and so we met there, and it was kind of like a Panera type place or whatever, and uh, not the greatest, but that's where we met, and so we, uh, me and the guy were there, like, working on the, the project, and then eventually the girl shows up, and she walks in, and she's like, hey, guys, I'm so sorry. I uh, forgot everything that I need at home, and so she left, and then she never came back, <laughs> and so we sat there and just kind of did as much as we could without her, and uh, she eventually, or eventually we got to the point where we were like, listen, we, we got to move on, you know what I mean? She's not coming back. We're just going to talk to the professor tomorrow and just say, hey, listen, she didn't do anything. What do, you, what do you want us to do about it? And so she, uh, she ended up contacting me later, and I, and I was already, like, home, and, you know, like, I was done with the day and everything, and, and she reached out to me, and she was like, hey, so sorry about that, and I was like, okay, you know, whatever, and, uh, and she was like, I can bring the stuff that for, for the project to your house, and I was like, okay, perfect, so she, you know, she brought the stuff to the house, and I was like, I'll just take care of it, did the project, and we ended up getting a really good grade on it, and which is kind of frustrating because me and the guy did all the work and this girl did nothing, right? So that's like the stress of group projects, but it all changes when you get partnered with the smartest person in the class, right? Uh, for example, Emily is, uh, when we were in college, we were dating, and there was a specific class that we took. It was business statistics, and it's a really, really hard class. And she didn't know I was going to tell the story. She's already uncomfortable. Um, and, and it's a really hard class. And, and it's, it's even hard if you are math inclined, but if you're math inclined, it's not so bad. Like, it's not as bad. And I'm not math inclined. So it was very hard for me. And so I don't remember exactly what happened. Either Emily had the highest average in the class or got, like, the highest grade on a test or something like that. 
Well, whatever it was, the professor called her out in front of everybody and said, like, oh, Emily has the highest grade or got the highest grade. And, uh, and all of a sudden, all the, there was a bunch of athletes in the class. I don't know if they were football players, basketball players or something. They started turning around and looking at us because we're, like, sitting by each other. And, we're, you know, like I said, we're dating at the time. And they're like, oh, I got to get her to tutor me, and we're going to need to get, you know, get together, and she can teach me a few things. And I'm like, that's my girlfriend. Like, no. Like, I'm not going to let you do that, you know. Um, and so anyway, so group projects, they are uh, fun. But the thing about group projects is that, um, like I said, it, it matters who's on your team. And, and it's like this in, in other things as well. You think about it in terms of sports. You know, you think, if, man, if we just had this one player, we would win. Uh, you know, you see it in elections, right? People say like, oh, if we can just win this one state, we'll win the election. Or uh, even in terms of money, right? If I, if I was friends with Bill Gates, right? It matters who's on your side. It matters who's on your team. And so let me ask you tonight, what would be the significance of having God on your side? What would be the significance of having God on your side? How would you live differently? How would your life change? Tonight, we're gonna conclude our walk through Romans chapter 8, and so if you would, pray with me, and then we'll, we'll jump into the verses. God, I thank you so much uh, for tonight, the opportunity that it is to, to gather together, God, and, and learn from your word. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight, that this would not fall on deaf ears, God, but instead open hearts, and God, that, uh, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in Genesis as it is in heaven tonight. We trust you with it. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome. So, if you would, uh, we're going to start in Romans 8. 31 tonight, and I'll give you a second to turn there. Uh, again, that's Romans 8, 31. And it'll also be on the screen. This is what it says. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So Paul asks us here, he says, well, what then shall we say to these things? And, and, and these things, what is he talking about when he says these things? What is he referring to? Well, th- these verses are, they're concluding his thought. And uh, like I said, we're, we're concluding the series tonight. So we're nearing the end of the chapter. So this is, in essence, a reference to everything that we've talked about this month. So in week one, we, we saw that Jesus saved us and we can rest in our salvation in him. And then week two, we saw that we are, we actually saw a lot of things about ourselves and our identity in Christ. We saw that we are children of God with uh, the spirit of God, that we're adopted into God's family and we're co-heirs with Christ. And then last week, we saw that not a second of our life is wasted because God uses everything to work together for the good and to also uh, to make us more like Jesus. And so these are the things that he's talking about. And so he says, what then shall we say to this? Well, Paul continues and he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If we're on God's team, if we're on God's side, then who can be against us? I don't know, it feels like things come against us all the time. We feel like life comes against us, problems that are out of our control or situations that are out of our control, circumstances that are out of our control. We feel like people come against us. People say things. People do things. People cause conflict. We may feel like our own actions come against us. Sometimes we say things. Sometimes we do things. Sometimes we cause conflict. Sometimes even our mind comes against us. Anxiety, depression, low self-confidence. Can anybody relate to any of that? So 
I hope that this verse speaks to you tonight. If God is for you, then who can be against you? If you really believe that, how would your life change? If, if you really believe that, that God was bigger than those things and stronger than those things and more powerful than those things, then how would you live? What, what would you be afraid of? I wanna tell you tonight that God being on your side, it doesn't just increase your chances of winning. It means you've already won. Life and people and our mind, all of that may try to come against us and it may be hard and it may be unfair and it may even kill us. But in the end, in this life and the next, we've already got the ultimate victory in Jesus because he is for us and who can be against us? Paul continues and he adds this. He says that if God didn't even spare his own son for us, then how would he not also give us all things? I love how the, the message translation, it phrases this verse. It says that God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us. So if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, then why would he hesitate to give us what we need? He knows our deepest needs, the need for acceptance and love and hope, and he meets those needs. He knows our deepest fears, the the fear of tomorrow, the fear of failure, and he calms those fears. He knows our deepest sins, the, the addiction, the mistakes, and he still died for them. God laid it all down for us. And if we have him, if we have, the, if we have Jesus on our side, we have the ultimate victory, like I said, in this life and in eternity. If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's keep reading. This is the next two verses, 33 to 34. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? who indeed is interceding for us. And so Paul says here that, that nobody can bring a charge against God's people because it was God who justified us. It was God who saved us. He's saying, listen, it was Jesus who died. It was Jesus who was resurrected. And, and it's Jesus who intercedes for us. And if you hear last week, we also heard that the Spirit intercedes for us. And so he says here that no one, because of that, can condemn us. And so first of all, as, as believers, we need to know the difference between a few things. First of all, We need to know the difference between actual condemnation and the feeling of condemnation. Actual condemnation is what happens when someone never puts their faith in Jesus. They are condemned because of sin. The feeling of condemnation, as a believer, and if if you're in here tonight and you believe, you probably had this feeling of condemnation creep up before, this feeling of, man, I'm not good enough, I'll never be good enough, I've made too many mistakes, I've, I've done too many things, et cetera, that feeling. And so I want you to think about it this way. As we saw earlier in this series, we see the very first verse of Romans, Romans 8, 1. It says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, if you're feeling that way. And it says it again in this verse, no one can condemn us. And so I want you to think about it this way, that salvation is a God thing. Your, your, your walk with God is a God thing. Like salvation was initiated by God, it's sustained by God, and it's going to be completed by God. And so because of this, not Satan nor anything else can condemn us. And, I, and I, I really, this is kind of funny, but this is how I want you guys to think about it, okay? So you know how when you were a kid, maybe, you know, I'm, I don't know. Hopefully you guys still don't do this. This is kind of weird. But you know how when you were a kid and you would walk up to somebody and like two people and they were talking and they would say, hey, this is an A and B conversation. So see your way out, right? Let's try that again. This is an A and B conversation. So See your way out. Okay, let me tell you tonight. Salvation 
is an A and B conversation between you and God. And so when that feeling of condemnation tries to come up, tell it to see its way out. Okay, you guys like that? Awesome. All right, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And really quick, because I feel that this is important, I also want to point out the difference between condemnation and conviction, because there is a difference. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. That it's, it's a feeling like when, when God is telling you, hey, you probably shouldn't do that, or hey, you know, I need you to go do this, do this, don't do that. Condemnation, though, on the other hand, is this voice that says, you're done, you're too far gone, you've done too much. That voice is not from God. And it should have no place in our life because Jesus died to set us free from that voice. So let's keep reading. These verses we're about to read are some of my favorites in all of Scripture, and this will end the chapter. This is Romans 8, 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So just to summarize that for you, Paul says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, not tribulation or distress, or danger, or hard times, that nothing can rip us away from God's love. And he says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And he says that no death nor life, or height or depth, present or future, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. And that is a beautiful truth. When I was a kid, I had someone ask me, they said, this is kind of like a Bible joke, but they said, <laughs> they said did you know that there's math in the Bible? And I was like, no. You know, I'm like a little kid, you know, no. And they said, yeah, it says you can't add or subtract from the word of God, which is true. It says that in a couple places. The reason I say that is that if you look at that last verse, Romans 8, 39, I believe, make sure that's right. Romans 8, 39, it says that nothing in all creation will separate us from the love of God. And so, yeah, you can't add or subtract from the Bible, but because of that verse, we can feel free to add in that list, the things that we deal with, right? So fill in the blank for your life, right? Like no problems, no mistakes, no, no shortcomings, no weakness can separate you from the love of God. It says that nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God. And so whatever it is that you're dealing with, fill in the blank. And here's the thing, this love of God that we're talking about, this is, it's like an umbrella term, right? We talk about the love of God. That contains the heart of God. It contains the plan of God. It contains the goodness of God. And so like we said, this salvation is a God thing. Well, God's love is also a God thing. It's not dependent on us. It's not, uh, it's not conditional. It's unconditional. And so if we didn't earn the love of God to begin with, then we can't lose the love of God. That because of the blood of Jesus, we have as much access to God on this side of heaven than we ever will. It was enough for that. So because, because God loving us isn't because of our own doing, we can't do anything to lose it, and nothing can happen to us to lose it. And there are so many examples in Scripture of people being separated from things and from people that they cared about, but never from the love of God. Joseph was separated from his family, but not from the love of God. 
Daniel was separated from his country, but not from the love of God. Job was separated from his livelihood, but not from the love of God. Moses was separated from his mother, but not from the love of God. Jesus was separated from his life, but not from the love of God. And so let me ask you tonight, what has come your way? Struggles, hardships, problems, people, relationships. It may have separated you from your family. It may have separated you from comfort. It may have separated you from your self-confidence. It may have separated you from joy. I wanna tell you tonight, it has not separated you from the love of God. It hasn't separated you from the plan of God, from the goodness of God, from the heart of God. If God is for you, who can be against you? Salvation is an A and B conversation. So when condemnation makes its way in, tell it to what? See its way out. This is the point I want to make for you tonight. It's true that God's love is is here to stay, that nothing can separate us from it. But if God still feels distant from you, he still feels far away from you, maybe, maybe it was you that ran away from him. Because if we know that God's love doesn't go anywhere, God's love doesn't change. Nothing separates, separates us from him. If we feel that God's far away, it could be us running away from him. You need to know tonight that if you feel that way, you're not condemned. And nothing has separated you from his love. Maybe what you need to do is come home. If God is for you, who or what can be against you? Nothing in all creation can separate you from him. And so maybe tonight you can quit running. We're going to respond in doing communion tonight. And I like doing communion as a way to conclude a series, doing it once a month. And the reason I like doing it is because Jesus told us, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And so the way I like to, t- to explain it is that communion is a moment of recalibration. It's a moment that we may have you know, we may have come in here tonight, we may have felt like, man, I've been running in this one direction. I feel like I've been running away from God, running away from the things of God. Communion is a time to say, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stop running this way. I'm gonna turn back towards God and start running back towards him. Communion is a way to come back to the very foundation of our faith, to remember the body broken for us, the blood shed for us, and to take communion and come back to the heart of what we believe, knowing that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we're heirs with Christ, that we have the spirit of God, we're adopted into his family, and nothing in all creation can take us away from him. So tonight, when you take communion, I would encourage you to take a moment, pray, get right, say whatever you need to say to God. Maybe, I'm, maybe you need to say, God, I'm tired of running, that you feel distant from me right now, that you feel far away, and God, if I know that you don't go anywhere, then it must be me running from you. And so tonight, maybe you can make your way home. If you walked in here tonight and you, you feel like, man, I'm good with God, uh, I, I feel close with God, I've got no issue with that, then I want to encourage you, remind yourself of the gospel. Remind yourself of what Jesus did for you. So I invite the man to come up. So when you're ready, you can come up, take a piece of bread, dip it into the juice, and eat. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for this truth, this powerful truth that there is nothing in all creation that will ever separate us from you. God, the work that you did on the cross was enough for that. So God, I thank you that 
that though that feeling of condemnation may come up, God, we can tell it to leave because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that salvation is a God thing. God, you initiated it, you sustain it, and you'll complete it. And I thank you, God, that no matter what happens to us, no matter what we do, your love for us is not going anywhere. So those things may come against us, and they will. It's not too strong for you. It's not too big for you. So we take this moment to come back to what we know is the foundation of our faith, to come back to the the sacrifice that Jesus made, to quit running, to come home. In Jesus' name, amen.